The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Safety, comfort and ease is not anywhere in any gospel that I read. There is no risk-free living. Jesus says, drop your nets and follow. All bets are off. I'm not taking you to safety. In fact, but I'm taking you on an adventure and I'm taking you to freedom and freedom is not safe. Coming up on Life Today, author and speaker Christine Kane helps you understand how to break free from the clutches of shame and start living your destiny. Sheila Walsh, James and Betty, we just decided we'd give them the day off. But I'm so thrilled I get to spend some time with one of my favorite people on the planet. In fact, of those other planets, I'm still gonna <laughs> like her better. Um, and I have to tell you, my son, there's no one on this planet, literally not a single person on this planet, that my son, who is a godly, strong, amazing ma man, respects more than my guest. She has impacted his life, and for that, as a mom, I'll be profoundly grateful till the day I see Jesus. So please, Help me give a great welcome to the one and only Christine Kane. I love you. <laughs> awesome, Come awesome, on. awesome. Your son is a wise young man, obviously. He's clearly <laughs> a wise young man. But you know, I was saying to him today, um, I was talking to him while he was driving home from, from A&M, that you and I met here at Life Today Studios. Oh, yeah. We happened, I didn't know you. We were booked to be on the same evening taping shows and I saw you in makeup and there was something about you that I immediately thought, I don't know who this girl is, but I love her. Yeah, it was the same uh, with, I was listening to you on this show and um, I was out the back watching you on TV and um, I just knew, I mean, who would have known that God would do what he's done with our friendship and just our, you know, what has happened over these last many, many years. Um, but here we are again. I know. <laughs> But you know what's brilliant, Chris? Your new book, uh -huh. um, Unashamed, Drop the Baggage, Pick Up Your Freedom, Fulfill Your Destiny. Um, I was privileged to get a copy early and to read it. And I think it's, I mean, I love all your books. I think it's the best thing you've ever written. But it is profoundly honest and transparent. I think right. you have opened a door of hope for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, I hope so. Oh. Well, let me ask you a question, because I think when, when people know you, they see you as this fearless woman who will go anywhere that God tells her to go. Yeah. But as I read the beginning of your story, you set a scene of what it's like, first day in kindergarten, you're so excited to go, and suddenly everything shifts. What yeah. happened that day? You know, it was, um, I, my parents um, came over from Alexandria, Egypt. My grandparents were from Greece. And so we were immigrants into Australia. And um, there's something about it, you know, when often when uh, people move to another country, they actually become even more protective about their country of origin. So we were so Greek. I didn't speak English until I was five. I, I only spoke Greek at home. And so here I am, this little Greek immigrant kid, think my big fat Greek wedding, my big fat Greek life, you know. So um, I, I'm going to school with what I think is like a normal lunch. You know, I've got my feta cheese sandwiches, my olives, um, you know, just a good healthy Greek food that now people Love. Yeah, love. But back then, not so much. And, um, and you know, my, my Aussie kids would have this, this substance called Vegemite. It's a paste that you put on. And, you know, that's the Aussie thing, which is 
everything feta cheese is not. And so I remember being the only kid at lunch eating a feta cheese. For the first time in my life, I was the only one, you know, because when you're at home, you're at home. And the kids would just kind of mock and ridicule either the smell of the feta, the garlic, the and, and be very derogatory in terms of, uh, because I would have had a thick accent, you know, um, in my English. And so they were very negative, very critical, and it was then, you know, you sort of become ashamed of who you are. And so, I, you know, another way of going into hiding, I remember taking my lunch every day and throwing it out as soon as I got to school so that I wouldn't have to open that lunch, you know, um, at school. It's just kind of amazing how... That's, That's heartbreaking. And I guess you felt you didn't want to tell your mom because you didn't want to hurt yeah, her feelings? Yeah, because she wouldn't have understood. It's like, you know, we'll just go and be tougher than all the kids. Well, you know, at five, you're an immigrant kid. You're not tougher than anybody kind of thing. So, yeah. What did that do to you inside? Well, I think it devastated me because, you know, th at that point, Sheila, the abuse had already started happening in my... Sexual um, abuse. Sexual abuse in my life. So, so you know, I already was carrying shame from all of that. Um, so you, you're living a lie anyway. You're hiding um, there. Then I have this happen and so culturally there's this hiding. Then as a woman um, kind of, you know, being a Greek woman, women were not encouraged to do, you know, a woman's highest thing was to get married and have babies. And so a Greek mother's sort of thinking, you know, why do you need to go to school anyway kind of thing, you know, you just, um, and I would be, I remember Sheila that I, you know, I always excelled at school, but I was the kind of like a Greek Orthodox mother's nightmare. You know, my mum wanted me to do ballet, I love soccer. Uh, she wanted me to play with Barbie dolls, I read books. And you know, it was like all oh, this reading, Christine, why do you need a brain for? No man's gonna wanna marry you if you're too intelligent. I would always get that. No man will want to marry you if you're too smart. And um, and I remember we would have grades at school. Grade one is the highest grade. Grade five was the lowest. And I would get straight ones. And I would, on the way home, holding my report card with the same colour pen, I would change the grade one to a grade four or a grade five. I'd, I'd go over it so that when I brought my report card home, it wouldn't look like I got high grades. Because so that would make your mother feel better? Yeah, that you did and so then I wouldn't have to get the, you know, well, why are you... And so I remember it was just um, who I was, I was being attacked. You know, in fact, I was betrothed to a Greek man um, at 18 and because I wanted to go to university, he owned a uh, fish and chip shop and, um, and it had kind of sort of some small goods there. And she said to me, his mother, that if you're going to marry my son, uh, you cannot go to university, you have to come and you know, make fish and chips um, because you cannot be more educated than my son. So, you know, suffice it to say, I went to university, but, you know, it was like... Well, that, much that was though like... I love fish and chips, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a limit, yeah. That's it, yeah. You know what's interesting, though? I can see there's two threads. As I read your book, there's two threads throughout your life. The incredible faithfulness and calling of God on your life, yeah. but this attack from the enemy to silence your voice. Definitely. Because at school, you learned you just don't speak up, that, that the natural leadership that you were beginning to exhibit was something you had to squelch. Well, totally. I, I remember, you know, five years old, six years old, I think, I was in year, second grade. And so we, in Australia, you get a report card mid-year, which is June, um, and then you get the end of year in December, report card. So in the mid-year, I had all my little grades and then I, the teacher had written, um, Christine shows a lot of potential, but she has to learn that she can't always be the leader. And it was, I remember looking at it, and of course, I was already so damaged from the abuse, the cultural, just being called derogatory names all the time. The one place that I felt 
good was in terms of my academics, like school. Um, you know, I could, the stuff that was going on at home, I could avoid that. And then so here's the one thing that had made me feel good about myself and that was being attacked. Um, and so you could tell that I must have changed and internalised that because then on that same report card in December, it says, um, Christina's had a wonderful year. She has settled down very well. And oh, you just go worse. there. Yeah, I know. Yes. You just go. So it's like, you know, but let's put you in a box. Um, so, you know, the, the root of shame makes you feel fundamentally unworthy anyway. You know, when you, you're being abused initially, uh, you think what's happening to you is wrong. But when it happens for a really long time, you start thinking there's something wrong with me. That's mm. why it's happening. And so you go into hiding. And um, I spent most of my life hiding who I was, minimising. OK, don't be too much for people. Don't be too smart. And then, you know, um, I got saved. And praise the Lord, I, I got saved into a culture that affirmed women. But, you know, I ministered to the broader Christian church across the globe. And certainly it's not like that. And I find that often Jesus, who was the greatest liberator of women, often women Women can feel even more shame in churches and if they failed and I have so many friends that either went through a divorce or had an abortion or or failed in a business venture or perhaps just something happened to them and the shame that they hide in the devastation the one place where you should feel safe where we should be able to say shame off you we in fact go shame on you and I'm sure even my biological mother I'm left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted because in 1966 in Australia if you're a 23 year old Greek single woman the shame of getting pregnant outside of wedlock um, and then so you know the child was conceived in shame was left in a hospital in shame my parents adopted me and never told us because they were ashamed for 33 years so it was there you know and, and you go back to Genesis 2 25 where the Lord says you know Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame so the fact that the Lord puts in the scripture that we're not meant to feel shame and that the enemy by then one chapter later makes sure that as soon as Eve blows it, as soon as Adam and Eve blow it, the first recorded conversation in Scripture, God's, Adam, where are you? I think God's still saying that to us today. Where, where, why are you all hiding? And we're like, I'm naked, afraid, and so I hid. And so that shame makes us hide from God rather than run to God. And I came from a very staunch religious culture. And so as if God doesn't know everything. So we can talk about the sovereignty of God. We can talk about the power of God. But I don't know that we really believe it because we spend most of our life hiding from this sovereign, omniscient God that we talk about and sing to as if he somehow doesn't know. And um, he still loves it. It took me so long, Sheila, and I hope the book helps people not take as long as I did because I've never known a time where I, I didn't feel shame and it really took me way too long to be able to truly believe that God would wholeheartedly accept me despite not only what had been done to me, let me just say, I brought a whole lot of stuff to the table that I can't blame on anyone else that, you know, I've got, I've got my own book of things that I did um, and patterns of destructive behaviour and just things that I did. And so um, the enemy just heaps shame upon shame. Our world heaps shame upon shame. The internet, you stay on it long enough tells you you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not thin enough, you're not rich enough, you're not talented enough, you're not gifted enough. And even when you think you're doing better, then you scroll and someone else is doing even better. And, and I think we have a shaming culture. We put it all out there on the internet. We don't cover anybody. And love covers a multitude of sin. And I think we in the body have to get much better in grace and love to cover one another rather than shame one another. One of the things I love... Um so much about you, you and your husband, Nick. 
the way you work together and yeah. your beautiful daughters, Sophie and Catherine. Um, but I wondered, when you first met Nick, were you able to tell him your history, or were you too ashamed yeah, well, to come I, clean? I, was, I, I hadn't told him. I was sort of a big picture kind of paintbrush, you know. I, I, um, I was abused, kind of, that, that was it. Like, the fact that I even said that word, and I said it all in one sentence, there's 20 years of my life, great. You know, as if, like, um, I don't know what planet I was on, but I have to say, I actually, this is why I go so into processing the book, because I really did think, okay, I've prayed a sinner's prayer, I am saved, it is under the blood, Let's move on. Yeah. I'm a new creation. And, but I really did believe it, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, I, and I, I wish it was, like, Wouldn't that, that be nice? Yeah. It is theologically true, but there is a natural path you've got to walk through. And so I didn't realise why I kept tripping over. I'd have five good days, six bad days, three good weeks, four bad weeks. Like, I felt like a yo-yo Christian. And then I just kept feeling more shame because I would try to pray more. And if I just would fast more, and if I would just do more good works in the church, because I, I was sincere that I wanted to walk in freedom. I just didn't know um, how. And I didn't even really know there was nothing wrong because I hadn't understood the difference between my soul and my spirit. Wow. That although my spirit was born again, I came to Christ with a wounded soul. Mm -hmm. And my soul was still wounded when I said the sinner's prayer. And so, um, and what I had done was I sort of visited with God on Sunday and visited with God on Wednesday night. But the Bible says in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. But I'm thinking... God's not going to want to move into this neighborhood because this is a really messed up neighborhood. And, um, and then I got to, Nick and I um, were just about to get engaged where then you would realize I would have to really be in his neighborhood because you like live together. <laughs> and when you live together, so um, generally you, accepted, you generally, yeah. yeah. And it's like, um, so, so you got nowhere to run then, you know, and I, I started to become panicky that this is going to mean like, cause I, I had my I wasn't living a double life, but I was living a controlled life. Sure. So that, that was the difference. Shame it was, and control go very much go hand together. Hand. And yeah. once you get married, you've lost a degree of control. You're giving it to someone else. And so, um, while I did my ministry, I was an evangelist, um, and, you know, it was great. Then I could go home, and there was nobody else that was going to unravel me in, or force me to unravel or to deal with my soul. Because, again, I was great at visiting with God, but I had to let God move into the neighborhood. And, you know, when you're a visitor, when you have a visitor, what do you do? You clean up your house. You um, get all the kids' dirty underwear, hide them in the cupboards, you know. You go, <laughs> you go into the bathroom, you get rid of the... the, the um, sandpaper and put really nice soft toilet paper. You know, it's all really nice and you get the good cookies and the good drink, but if the kids touch it, they're dead because that's for the visitors. Everything is great. And the visitor comes, they sit, everyone's lovely and we're all sweet. And You know, the kids have already been told no Christmas presents forever if you fight. So everyone is, you know, it's all lovely. And then the visitor leaves and like World War III breaks out at home, you know, like off it goes. Well, I think we do that with God in, yeah. in the same way is that we could be having a full on fight on the way to church. Well, maybe not here in America, but just oh, yes. in Australia. Trust me. You know, Don't like, ask okay, me how okay. I know this. Just trust me that I do. It's full on fight. I mean, you said many words that are not in the Bible. And, um, and uh, you <laughs> pull into the church parking lot and it's like that spirit of hypocrisy. It just, mm -hmm. it just hits. So you go into the foyer. I mean, you've now nearly committed murder and you're like, um, you know, how are you? And you're like, bless God. 
you know, I'm redeemed and sanctified and justified by the blood of the Lamb, and here is my cherubim and seraphim, and they're going into <laughs> church, and, and you get into worship, and you're thinking of the ways you're going to kill your partner. You know what? It's just like, and you get in the car. You, I mean, you've put on your show. You get into the car, and did you hear what the pastor said? It was awful. And, and, and normally you're okay. You might even be able to still be a Christian by Sunday night, but by Tuesday, oh, your evil twin is out, and it's it's okay. And most of us then are just so shamed yeah. by ourselves that we just can't win. One of the things, and honestly, I mean, if you know Chris, you know this, we could do 15 shows and not cover. <laughs> but in this book, I mean, you really walk us through. Yeah. If you have dealt with shame, Chris will walk you through the process because, you know, um, it's a process, but you have offered that. But on this um, living yeah. your destiny, your message is the safety myth. Yes. What is that about? Well, that's because I think a lot of us have got erroneous theology. We think Jesus came from heaven to earth, died on a cross and rose again from the dead to make my life safe, nice and comfortable. I'm not sure that God gave his son for that reason. I think God gave his son to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And so for that reason, the safety, comfort and ease is not anywhere in any gospel that I read. There is no risk-free living. Jesus says, drop your nets and follow all bets are off. I'm not taking you to safety, in fact, but I'm taking you on an adventure and I'm taking you to freedom and freedom is not safe. Mm -hmm. But you know what I love? I love the fact that everything the enemy has tried to do to you, God has brought such wealth from it. I remember when you were struggling with your throat cancer yeah. and then you got through that and I remember Nick saying, you know, the enemy really blew it. I mean, he just, <laughs> if he really wanted to get it, he should have killed her. Now he's just made her mad, you know. <laughs> totally. And I think it's like with all of our life and, you know, here we are rescuing the victims of human trafficking and a lot of that stories about that. Like, you know, Jesus not only rescued me from a shame-filled life and um, from abuse and pain and being abandoned at birth and um, being adopted, but then he's also used me to rescue others, which is true redemption. That's what's yeah. more than a conqueror is. That um, it's, it's like that the very thing the enemy meant for evil. God has worked together for good. And I think we have to understand that what, and the only way ultimately we do that, otherwise we will live as victims of our past forever. And our, our history will define our destiny unless we make a decision to make what Jesus Christ did for us bigger than what anyone else has done to us. Wow. And so when you make what someone has done to you or said to you bigger than what Jesus has done for you, you will live in shame for the rest of your life. Wow. But when you make what Jesus did for you greater than what anyone has done to you, then you can rise up, change your posture and walk with your head held high into the fullness of the future that wow. he's got for you. That is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I believe this is a message that literally will be life-changing. It's something we want to make available for you, yeah. but it's something we want to make available because we want to invite you into the great adventure of changing what is happening on this planet right now. And we can do it when we join hands and say, in Jesus' name, not on our dime. We're going to change this. We're not going to let this go on any longer. So we have something really powerful to show you. And then I'm going to tell you how you can get hold of Christine's book and also her teaching on living your destiny. But, but first, please... Would you watch this? These mothers all share something in common, but it's a connection that no one would ever want to have. Severely malnourished children. If I was ever asked what would be the most important thing to do for children in Africa, I would say feed them for sure. Malnutrition is such a terrible disease in children. I mean, many times 
people look at it as being something that comes through hunger, and it surely does, but what it does to a child's body is really horrific. When you look at little Paolo here, just look at his little arms, look how thin his little arms are, look how his skin is beginning to change color because it's losing the nutrients to the skin. Mothers who live in sub-Saharan Africa are seeing their children die before their fifth birthday at an alarming rate, a rate the UN says is higher than any other region in the world. This mother, wants to provide for her child, just like you want to provide for your children. There's no difference in her desire. The last thing on earth that she wanted was to end up in this malnutrition clinic with her little boy fighting for his life. That was not part of her desire at all. She's got here because she had no food to feed her child. You know that there's such an easy solution to be able to turn this little boy's life around and little boys like Paolo, and that's just simply by giving them a meal a day, a nutritious meal a day. Don't you think you can be a part? That little one is so weak he can't even cry. Could you hear that? He's trying to make a sound, but there's just not even enough strength or energy in his body to cry out. And this is not something that happened 20, 30 years ago. This is right now in Angola. They're experiencing terrible drought. And because of that, there's no crops. And because of that, there's no food. And these poor moms who are just like you and me, you know, they're just exactly like us who want to be able to provide for our children. But here's the amazing thing. This is the thing that gives me hope. We can change this. And it's not like this astronomical project that we can't possibly do. Every single one of us, even, I mean, I, I may as well let you know, my son who's 19 and my husband and I, we're all getting involved in this and we're all doing something differently. So if, if you even just have $30, do you know what this $30 will feed three children for three months? Don't you think it's kind of crazy that most of us here in the States or around the world and better, you know, countries where we have more resources, most of us are worrying about going on diets. And these children are literally starving to death, but we can change it. It's our greatest godly privilege as sons and daughters of the King, not just to thank God for the destiny that he's given every single one of us, but to do something in the name of Jesus. And so for any gift that you send in today, we're gonna to send you this Living Your Destiny series, this teaching tapes where you'll, you'll hear from, from Beth Moore, from Lisa Bevere, from Christine Kane, from Sarah Jakes Roberts, and from myself. But if you send in $100 or more, we're also gonna send you Chris Kane's new book, which is phenomenal. It's called Unashamed. If you've ever struggled with any kind of shame, this book will minister to you. And my own new book, The Longing in Me, How Everything You Crave Leads to the Heart of God. But let's just decide, you know what? Not in our time. We're going to draw a line in the sand here and say no more. We have so much and they have so little. So if every one of us just thinks, you know, okay, Lord, what can I do? And responds now, because it is a crisis. It's not something that we can put off for a few months because the, the people that we work with in those areas, they are praying. They've told us the needs and said, will you get back to us and let us know, are you able to help? I'm gonna be going to Angola really soon. And I wanna be able to say to these local partners and ministries we work with, I shared it with our friends and responses come in, are we gonna help? So please, would you do that? Would you go to your phone and call the number on your screen or, or go to lifetoday.org and make the best gift 
possible. Trust me, you can live without three more lattes. But honestly, some of these children are not gonna survive unless they have one more meal. So please, would you do something now? Thank you. In remote and impoverished areas of Africa, families are suffering, facing death by starvation. And those hit the hardest are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready to feed and care for these children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Southern Africa facing its worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the brand new audio series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Majesty, our 2016 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. As I kneel here by these beautiful children, I want them to be healthy. And you can look at this little girl's complexion right here. She'll step out in the light. See, she's got some of the beautiful glow, but she still has a little bit of the red tint in her hair, which simply means that we're bringing them up to a norm. And this is a very poor area. And if we don't continue to feed these children, they'll just reverse and they'll go back into serious trouble. And we want to keep that going. We want these children to have an opportunity to get ahead in life. We don't want them to just survive. We want them to have a future and a hope because this is what God has for them. But it won't happen without your love. So I pray you'll respond today. Make the largest gift you can. If you could put arms around, see here's five children right here. If you just put arms around these five or maybe you could extend your arms all the way back here and you just take 10 children into your arms. Would you help care for these 10 children? Would you do that? One of the greatest deliverances in my own life has been God delivering me from shame. But I have to tell you, I learned some fresh stuff here and Unashamed by Christine Kane. Please, would you help me thank the one and only Christine Kane. Love you. Love you. Love you. And thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. We'll see you next time.
In his new book, The Stream, James Robison charts a clear path to personal revival and spiritual revolution in our culture, values, morals, and in government. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says The Stream is a Christ-centered, Bible-based prescription for these troubled times. Dr. Ben Carson says this important book points out many ways that we can use our lives to preserve those freedoms that made America great. The Stream, available now online and at retail bookstores. Next week, Natalie Grant thought her days as a singer were over when her vocal cords began hemorrhaging. I began to understand what it means to lose your life to find it. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.